Who is Jesus? Mm. Uh, uh, um, uh, I think... Uh, uh, I believe he was a person. Um, he's the son of God. I don't believe Jesus ever really existed. The son of God? If I have to answer that question, I would say God. Uh, he plays on the wing for Chelsea. If you read the Bible, I don't think I could believe in all of that. Everything. <laughs> you can be any, but for me, he's everything. Who is Jesus? To be honest with you, I don't know. I'm not super religious or anything, so... I mean, he, I guess he's a savior or something. <laughs> Personally, I think that Jesus was probably a really cool dude who lived a long time ago and gave great advice to people, and it snowballed from there. Well, good morning from me. I hope you enjoyed that little video clip. That's taken from one of the Alpha Online videos. It's a great little clip and it's helpful for us in our message today. But I also just want to take this opportunity to say to you, please do look into Alpha if you've got interest in understanding the claims of Jesus Christ, the claims of Christianity. Uh, if you want to have an opportunity to discuss them and ask good questions and also to watch really, really insightful and helpful video resources, it is the place to go. So please do look into that. It's a helpful video for us this morning because it really comes in line with our passage this morning as there are people in our passage who have different opinions about who Jesus is. There are people in our passage who praise him and are amazed and marvel at what he does. And there are others who are determined to reject him and uh, they are really reluctant to accept that he's good and certainly don't believe that he is God. People honour him and people reject him. But perhaps the most important thing in this passage is that we hear from him. It is crucial that we let Jesus speak for himself. And I think we would be fools not to listen to him. Think about it this way. Jesus Christ was a carpenter in his early 30s in a tiny town in a small nation that was occupied by a dominant, powerful regime in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago and yet somehow this 30-year-old carpenter has single-handedly changed the world forever. The world as we know it has the fingerprints of Jesus Christ all over it. Surely it's worth carefully considering his words. So let's look at chapter 11 verse 14 onwards. It says this, now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and the divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armour in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And we jump on to verse 29. 
When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. As Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear what the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Father God, we thank you for sending us somebody who was greater than Solomon and greater than Jonah. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would reveal your son more through your word this morning by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you touch everyone listening today? Would you soften our hearts and would you help us to receive your loving kindness and your grace? I pray that you would be with us and that this would change lives, that we would trust your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So an interesting passage where this cool dude, Jesus, tells people that they're a wicked generation. Not such a cool thing, is it? It's an interesting passage where Jesus gets to speak for himself. Jesus who makes claims about himself. Perhaps the most bold claim and one of the most well-known claims that Jesus Christ made about himself was this. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I think that those three claims, which are one claim really, are helpful for our points today. We're going to look at this. Firstly, Jesus' truth versus man's pride. Jesus said, I'm the truth. Secondly, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus said, I'm the way. And thirdly, Jesus is the giver of real life. Jesus said, I am the life. Looking at the context, firstly, of Jesus' truth versus man's pride, we come into this passage looking at Jesus healing someone. Jesus Christ, who said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Jesus Christ, who came to love people. We, we see the story. It starts with Jesus healing someone and setting them free from the oppression of a demon who was causing them to be mute. Jesus brought back their voice. Jesus changed their life in a moment, helped them to speak again where they once were mute. Jesus was healing and bringing redemption and bringing life and love. And at this very moment, some marveled. Some said, no, we need a sign. We need a sign from heaven. Others said, no, this man's in league with the devil. Isn't it baffling to see that Jesus Christ was bringing life and healing and love. And yet some were saying it's not enough. Not enough, I need signs. I need another sign from heaven. Some were saying, no, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. He's in league with the devil. He's in league with demons. We've just seen a video where some would say such things as, I don't even think Jesus Christ really existed. I mean, that's, that's a, a pretty foolish claim. No historian would claim that Jesus Christ didn't exist. Jesus Christ walked this earth. And yet we can hide behind foolish things which Jesus not only reveals, as we'll see in a second, as 
illogical and absurd, but reveals as prideful. Because we know, no, if, if Jesus Christ existed, and if he was who he said he was, then it really does ask questions of me and my life. Jesus starts this passage by loving and healing and giving and is rejected. And we see this claim of, no, I want to see more. Or, no, I don't trust him. I think he's evil. He's doing this by evil powers. And those are the same arguments that we can often give, whether it's a Christian saying, oh, I'm, I'm struggling with this. God, are you good? Are you good? If you're good, why is this happening in my life? Why is this happening? Maybe you're not good. Or saying, no, no, God, I'm, I'm going to reserve my trust until you, you really let me see that things are how I want them to be. And let, until you let me have my way, then I'll reserve trust. That's, that's a struggle as much for a Christian as it is for, for someone who's not a Christian. But Jesus shows here that he is the truth. He speaks truth and his truth that he speaks exposes the foolishness. Do you know it's no new thing for Jesus to be rejected. This is what's happened since the beginning of mankind. God made man and man believed a lie that if they, Adam and Eve, were to reject God and to choose their own way, then they would be like gods. They would be gods to themselves. They would be able to do their own thing and make their own truth and they would have wisdom and they would be like God. And that's the same lie that we have believed ever since. I can do my own thing. I can do better than what God would have me do. He's a killjoy. He doesn't want me to have fun. He wants to take away from me and and we can hide behind these sorts of arguments and mistrust. And really it's at the bottom of its pride. I want my own way. God has been dealing with man's rejection since he created man. And God wanted a people for himself and for thousands of years was giving love and offering life. And man was rejecting, rejecting, rejecting generation after generation. So God, Jesus is, is, is used to this rejection but he exposes it. He, he shows them that it is absurd. It is illogical. How can a house divided against itself stand? How could I be doing this in the power of Satan and demons if I'm getting rid of demons? Do you see how that makes no sense? How hard your hearts are towards me. Jesus is appealing to logic He's appealing to their hearts. He goes on to, to say that this is not just wrong and illogical. It's not just absurd, your argument, but you've got to understand how hugely grievous your rejection is. You've got to understand how self-destructive it is to reject me. Because in me is life and love. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. In me, there's truth. In me, there's hope. In me, there's joy. If you reject me, it is so destructive. And he, he makes this allusion here to Exodus. He, he uses this phrase, you know, he's saying to them, if you think it is the work of the devil, then you're wrong. But if, he says in verse 20, it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, the finger of God is an interesting phrase, and it's taken straight out of Exodus. 
there are a number of times where it uses the phrase the finger of God. But one of them, which I think Jesus is alluding to here, is in Exodus chapter 8. The, the Israelites are captured in the land of Egypt and they are oppressed and they are enslaved to the Egyptians and God wants to liberate them and wants to free them like this man who's just been freed from this demonic oppression. It's a picture, isn't it? Jesus has come to be the greater Moses, the greater Jonah, the greater Solomon. And he's coming to liberate and he's setting free. And yet their hearts are like the heart of Pharaoh because this is what it says in Exodus 8. Well, I'll come to that in a second. First of all, the scene is that God is sending a lot of signs and wonders to display that he is God and he will have his way in, in, in uh, Exodus of liberating the Israelites from Egypt. And some of these signs and wonders that God sends, the magicians of Pharaoh are able to replicate. They are able to somehow kind of replicate and make it look like, oh, that's nothing. Look, we can do that as well. And then we come to chapter 8, verse 16, and it says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Isn't that interesting? Here's Jesus, the liberator, bringing liberty, bringing freedom. And he's thinking back to when Moses said, you know, you know, we've seen this before, you know, Jesus is looking around saying, this evil generation, you, your hearts are hard. I'm giving you signs. The kingdom of God is upon you. And yet you're saying it's not enough. You're saying I'm in league with the devil. Look at this, it's happened before. Pharaoh's heart was hard. He was determined to not let go of his pride. And there was a point where his magician said, hey, this is not a trick. This is not a trick. We can't replicate this. God is moving. God has come. And Pharaoh still hardened his heart. Jesus is seeing that again. Do you know the kingdom of God has come? Your hearts are hard. This is the finger of God. This can't be replicated. I'm not doing this by other powers. This is God moving. Jesus speaks the truth, exposing pride and folly in man's heart. Secondly, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. He is the way. He says this, because he finishes that sentence, you know, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If it is... God moving, then do you know what? The kingdom of God has come. I'm the way. The way has been opened up. See, Jesus is, is pleading with them. This is so serious. Not only is he uh, exposing the folly 
as I said, of their absurd and illogical speculations and rejections. But he's saying this is serious, this choice you're making. This is life-changing, not just life-changing, this is a matter of life and death. If it is the, the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come. Do you understand what I'm offering to you? The kingdom of God has come. Life has come to you. Standing before you right now is life, is truth, is the way. If it is God's finger, the kingdom of God, you found life. Okay, yes, hello. You know, Jesus is like, come on. Life is being offered to you, not just trinkets, but life. That your soul would be restored, that there would be relationship with a God who loves you and wants to restore you to what you're intended to be. Life is on offer. And the other side of the coin is devastating, Jesus is saying. Because you choose life or not. You choose life, you choose me, or you don't. You get what I'm saying here? You, you, you reject life, you choose death. This cool guy is saying very clearly some very, very sobering things. He says this, whoever's not with me is against me. It's not like I'm not with you, but I'm neutral. I'm not really with Jesus, but I'm not really you know, with anyone. I don't believe in the spiritual realm. Jesus says the reality is this, if you are not with me, you are against me. There's no middle ground. And he takes the opportunity because they're, you know, they're just, he's just set a demon free. You know, he's just, sorry, set a person free by casting out a demon. And he, uh, he, he takes the opportunity to talk about the spiritual realm. It's, it's a reality. The spiritual realm is a reality. And he's saying, look, he says, which we didn't read. It's in the same set of passages. If a if spirit leaves a body unless something else comes into the place, then the spirit will come back and it will be like the house has been dusted and put in order and the spirit will come back and say, well, this looks good. I'm going to come back with seven other demons and it'll be much worse. Jesus, one of the points he's making there is there's no spiritual vacuum. You can't say, I'm not God, I'm not with Jesus, but I'm not with any spirit. No, Jesus is saying, no, look, there's no spiritual hole. You're either mine and with me or you are in league with the devil. You belong to the prince of the power of the air. He will be pulling you every direction. He will be putting desires in you that you are enslaved to and I want to liberate you. Jesus is, is very sobering and clear by saying, if you are not with me, you are with someone else. I want you to get that clear. See, Jesus is the way. He is the living God and his plans are being accomplished with you or without you. But, oh, how he desires to be with you. Oh, how he desires to have you with him. He's not, he's not unsympathetically so just saying, look, you're either with me or you're not. He's pleading, look, you're with me or you're, 
You're not, but I want you with me. His desire is that you're with him. His work was to make a way for you to be with him. He is the way. You might ask, well, how do I get to be with him rather than against him? What does that even mean? What does it mean to be with him rather than against him? Well, let's look at Jesus is the giver of real life. Our third point. He is the way, the truth and the life. He's the giver of real life. How do you get to be with him rather than against him? He said there will be a sign given to this generation, this evil generation. It will be the sign of Jonah. Jonah, who went to preach to a city who was uh, who were a powerful city. And he went because God told him, you must go and preach repentance to the city of Nineveh. And he's making a point here saying that you'll have the same sign. The sign is this, you need to repent. I'm not going to turn for you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a genie for you. I'm not going to just do things that you want me to do. I've shown you who I am. Now it's upon you to repent. Now it's upon you to repent. The sign of Jonah, repent, turn, turn from your wicked ways. Put your faith in God. Accept his love, accept his forgiveness and run to the giver of life. Repent, humble yourself and find life, find joy. And you might think this guy is an egomaniac. He's crazy. This God isn't good. You know, they're saying maybe you're in league with the devil. Maybe he is. This guy's mental. You either have to bow to me or you're in league with Satan. You have to do exactly what I say or, or you're dead. What kind of a God is that? I don't want to be anywhere near him. You might think those sorts of thoughts. What do you mean I'm either with you or I'm not? You're threatening me? No, Jesus is telling it how it is. Jesus is telling it how it is. And he, he alludes to this interesting story at the end, this interesting truth that the queen of the south, which is the queen of Sheba, went to visit uh, Solomon. And he's making this point that the queen, this powerful woman, humbled herself enough to recognize, I've heard that this Solomon has wisdom and his life bears fruit. And she traveled a long distance to go and hear Solomon. She humbled herself. I mean, I don't think there are any queens or kings listening today. A queen was willing to say, hey, it's worth humbling myself to go and listen to the wisdom of Solomon to see what he's got to say. Let me read to you from 1 Kings 10 because it is fascinating what actually happened. To go a little bit further into Jesus, what are you actually pointing us to? Well, here it says in 1 Kings 10, it says this, now when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. See, it's not wrong to question. It's not wrong to question. You know, Jesus is saying, these people are saying, I want a sign, I want a question. It's fine, but listen to her. She's humbling herself. She came to Jerusalem with a very large retinue with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. This is a powerful woman. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. 
When the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, his cupbearers and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She was breathless, that means. When she said to the king, then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity. The report which I heard, how blessed are your men. How blessed are these your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. You see, Jesus is alluding to this. The queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, she humbled herself. She went to inquire. She went to look in. Is it true what I've heard? Is it true? And from the account we see, she was amazed at what she saw. And what she found, the wisdom of Solomon was the wisdom of God. And when it was put into action, the fruit was incredible. Look at the, look at everything you have. Look at the prosperity. Look at the, the joy. And, and, and she said the amazing things. Of, Your people are so blessed. Your servants are so blessed. You see, Jesus is not a tyrant king. He says, one greater than Jonah has come. One greater than Solomon has come. He's not an egomaniac. He's one saying, I want to give you life. I want you to trust my wisdom. Look what happens when you do. Solomon's servants were so blessed. His household was so blessed. There was so much fruit. It was abundant. The wisdom of God brings real life. Aren't you sick of looking in other areas? Aren't you sick of trying to find comfort and joy and peace and other things fall through? They don't hold you up. Jesus is saying that my wisdom is greater than Solomon's. My offer is greater than Jonah's. My liberation is greater than Moses. I was reading about this story of Napoleon Bonaparte. You may have heard, we know, probably heard of Napoleon, but he's one of the most powerful leaders in Europe at this time. Uh, and the world had never seen someone like him in some ways. And, and near the time when he died, he confided in one of his closest friends and he said this, he said this, I know man, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is not a man. Jesus came into the world to reveal the mysteries of heaven and the laws of the spirit. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne and myself, we founded empires. But upon what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire on love. And at this moment, millions of men would die for him. I die before my time and my body will be given back to earth to become food for worms. Such is the fate of him who has been called the great Napoleon. What an abyss between my deep misery and the eternal kingdom of Christ, which is proclaimed 
loved and adored and which is extended over the whole earth. Can you call this dying? Is it not living rather? Napoleon was a fan of Jesus. He respected him. He even seemed to think that Jesus was God, but he still did not surrender to him. The stark reality is that he was not with him. And Jesus declared to those who are not with him, you're against me. Against his love, against his lordship, against his wisdom. Not found in him, but found adrift, blown around like chaff, chasing death. Jesus comes to offer a way, the way, give you the truth, offer you life. Will you soften your heart? Will you be like Pharaoh? said, I'm not softening my heart, I'm hardening it towards him. Will you be like those people who said, no, I want to see another sign. I want to see another sign, I want you to keep proving it. Jesus is saying, how much do you want to see? The kingdom of God is here. God's finger is on the move. You'd be like those who say, no, I don't trust you. I don't trust your good. I think you're going to hurt me. And Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, life in abundance. I know what life is. Jesus Christ wants to love you today. Will you trust him enough to let go of other things? Surrender things which you've held dear? Perhaps it would be painful to say, okay, I'll let go of that thing. And I, I realized that it's not giving me the life I hoped it would. I trust him. I really plead with you today. Put your life in his hands. Turn to him. Repent of what you do in rebellion to him. And instead, receive his love, his joy, his forgiveness. It won't be easy. Life in Jesus is not easy. But it is real life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you're the liberator, greater than Moses. We thank you that you, you offer a greater thing than even Jonah had to offer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you greater, you're greater than Solomon in all his wisdom. And we know that you, you bring blessing after blessing. And I pray, Father, that Many people who may be on the edge of saying, yeah, I just want to hear more. I just want another sign. I'm not quite there yet. Lord, I pray, please, would you help them to see this is serious. And there may be a now or never moment. God, I pray, have mercy on us who reject you. Help us to turn to you and bow the knee and to find life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Bless you. Please be in contact with us if you'd like help with any response to any of the messages that you hear. And we'll see you next time.